0: Welcome to How To Cover A Senate Election, where four broadcast journalism students tackle a Senate election campaign for the first time.
1: Following the success of How To Cover An Election, we're bringing you a special Senate edition ahead of the vote this May. Each week, we're talking to experts in their fields as we look at all the key themes for the media in the build-up to the polls.
0: We'll also talk you through our experiences of election coverage as the contest heats up. Hello and welcome back to another episode of How to Cover a Senate Election. In this episode, myself, Sam, Cal and Henry will be speaking to broadcasters James Williams and Felicity Evans. Both work for BBC Wales and James is a political correspondent and Felicity is a political editor. They both present Walescast and have a vast amount of experience covering Welsh politics. We sat down to ask them about their experiences and to give us a behind-the-scenes look at Welsh political reporting. Okay so today we're joined by James Williams and Felicity Evans and first of all thank you so much for joining us.
2: Our pleasure thank you very much for having us.
3: Yes lovely to be here.
0: Brilliant so the first question um, we like to ask is surrounding Walescast. So obviously it's quite new but can you tell us a little bit about how it came to be?
3: Well we'd we been arguing that Wales needed a um, political podcast of its own, a BBC offering for a while and This seemed the best time to launch it, really, as we were coming up to uh, Senedd elections. And fortunately, all the chips sort of just fell in in the right place to enable us to do that, really. That's the short version, isn't it, James?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd been pushing for a while to to have one and uh, finally got the ball rolling at the start of the year. So we've been going since January. It's um, a weekly offering the pitch really is for it to be no longer than half an hour because personally i find podcasts that are too long um, a little bit off putting so we try and give a different audience a, an, a you know the ability to sort of catch up be across what's happening in welsh politics within a sort of easy digestible 20 30 minute podcast that gives you a bit of analysis a bit of colour some interviews in, in, whatever. Yeah.
3: in fact I think we've managed to keep it below 25 haven't we I don't think we've we've been over 25 there's a lot of short. editing in that yeah there us, is our it's, poor it's, producer Millie us, who yeah. we should give a shout out to uh, is constantly having to like pull out tons and tons of stuff but short and sharp is the aim of this this is the whole point of this is that it's really easy uh, it's really accessible and it's really short
2: and the idea is to try and reach a different audience right because the kind of person who's watching Wales Today, or on or listening to Radio Wales, or Radio Cymru, isn't necessarily going to be um, accessing news that way. And so we're trying to reach a younger, more diverse audience, which are, you know, interested in podcasts like this one. And and so we just thought it was important to be in that space. So. And and just
3: one other thing to add, actually, which is that the idea of this was to give us the space as well to maybe talk about stuff that we don't have the time to talk about on New or Wales Today or Radio Wales Drive or, or, or something like that. You know, this is the sort of the sort of newsroom chats that we might have with each other that basically when you then have to do a, a two-way for Wales today that's one minute 45 simply is never going to make it in so that that's that was the other the other thing that this is a platform for the sort of analysis that perhaps we don't have time to squeeze into other outputs.
1: yeah no you've been sort of saying about you know how do you build a, an audience in Wales You're obviously Walescast is following the likes of Brexitcast and America so really so how how would you find that audience almost
3: well, we hope the audience will find us to a certain extent. I mean, you know, we have a, we called it Walescast because it felt like there was a brand already there for us. You know, we did have a bit of uh, toing and froing over the name. At one point, we were thinking Really hard to think of a name,
2: right? Yeah, we
3: did have <laughs> Baywatch at, at one time, um, but uh, James didn't fancy having to wear swimming trunks and carry a <laughs> surfboard, so we, we ditched that one. Uh, um, maybe 10 and, years ago yeah but now. <laughs> uh, so but then we thought look why are we reinventing the wheel the BBC already has a brand that, that that'll cover us here so that helps a little bit in terms of explaining to people what they're about to hear because as you say the BBC already has these sorts of podcasts covering other areas um, but yeah in terms of in terms of chasing the audience obviously we want as much of an audience as possible but to be honest this is something that we're offering as the cherry on top of the cake it's not something that we have a lot of time uh to spend on chasing an audience or, or pushing for an audience so we gradually we hope that we are sort of building one up and james mentions it on um, politics wales as often as he can on a sunday we get trails on on radio wales and that sort of thing but um we tweet it you know on social media but that's about it really
2: yeah, I think I think you're right, though, that, Sam. That is that is the the initial challenge, especially since it's such a a new podcast. To be honest with you, the first few weeks and months is very much trying to find your feet and making sure that we're happy with the sound of it and the content and you know which directions we're going and we're we're still evolving, aren't we, Felis? You know, it's not the same podcast it was in those first couple of weeks. So, you know these things take time and hopefully that you know the more people know that know about it and subscribe and the more we push it that it sort of reaches a natural sort of tipping point where it becomes more and more popular and and people know about it as a brand I mean which I think will probably take a bit of time to be honest
3: in fact breaking news we're gonna have a theme tune from tomorrow so we're very yeah. excited about that.
2: that that only took us about five months to sort out Yeah, <laughs> and there's going to be new branding and everything so yeah these these things these cogs take a while to turn sometimes but it's in motion it's in motion.
1: Felicity if you don't mind I'd like to ask you a question about manifestos because I recently saw the video that you did with Adam Price the leader of Plaid Cymru and in terms of manifestos how do you cover those without just repeating the pledges because as I said you recently kind of cross-examined Adam Price about Plaid's desire to build more affordable housing which would require The borrowing of billions of pounds from the uh, from private sector, and Plaid had previously criticised the Welsh government for a similar suggestion. So again, how do you cover manifestos without just repeating the pledges?
3: That's a really good question, Henry. And I think it's the sort of thing that journalists struggle with every single election. Is because there's two sides of the coin here. I mean, James Chippin, you know, went on this. But on the one hand, you need to inform people about what's in the manifesto and a lot of that is just repeating what the promises are because how else do you tell them what is being offered to them in terms of policy offerings? And then, obviously, the other side of that coin is trying to interrogate those policy offerings you know, how new is it, how achievable is it, how much does it cost, all that sort of stuff. Um, and trying to find the balance between those two things is quite difficult, especially when. You know, on Wales Today, those interviews are ballpark five-minute interviews. So you have to really, really choose very carefully which bits you're going to pick out uh, to talk about, because there really isn't very much time in which to do it. Um, so, in terms of approaching those interviews, I try to I try to look at some of the things that that I think are are accessible because in a five minute interview, you don't want to spend a minute setting up your question, uh, because then you've wasted a whole ton of time. Um, So it's and and you need to be able to drag people along through the structure of the interview in an, in an easy way. So that's a, a big consideration. Uh, another thing is, you know, it, you're partnering with some of the other outputs. So online is doing a lot of um, explanatory stuff in terms of the content of the manifesto, what the main promises are and that sort of thing. And you can write a little analysis box for online talking through, you know, some of the interesting points there. So you, you kind of, I think, try and tailor it to the different outlets. Um, and the, you know, in terms of longer interrogation, we are going to have half-hour sit-downs uh, next week. In fact, uh, with um, some of the parties, and then, uh, you know, I'm intending to go into the, some of the manifesto promises in a lot more depth. But you're right, Henry. It's it's a big challenge, and it always is a bit a big challenge. And I guess we try and always tinker with it from election to election trying to get it it right but it's one of those things that ultimately is always a matter of judgment and there are always going to be people who would have made different judgments and, and that sort of thing in terms of how you do it.
2: I was just going to pick up on that Fliss and just say that as you sort of alluded to there it's just different horses for different courses right as in we're so lucky here at the BBC Wells that we have so many different outlets so you can do tailor Things to, to different audiences, right? So, you know, as you said, um the online coverage can be a little bit more factual. But if you're doing a sit-down interview, you want to get into the nuts and bolts and analyze and interrogate um why or they've picked a particular policy or what are the weaknesses. Um, and we've got you know a series of different interviews that that will allow us to do that. As place has been doing them for words Today, we're gonna to be doing them for Paul Wales, as you said, you've got to ask leader ones. Half an hour interviews next week. We've got um, the debate program as well, so that's when you get into the sort of analysis, really, and the and the interrogation of 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 policies. But ultimately, as you say, you know, this is a well, this Clycomery document, for example, is a 129 page or 130 page document. We're not going to go through every single policy. What you try and find is the the, the ones that stand out, the ones that have vulnerabilities, weaknesses, um, something that doesn't stick with. The broader themes of the party, or what have you. So you just have to try and sort of hone in on stuff that you can, that you can sort of interrogate, really.
0: And we obviously couldn't do a podcast about politics and the election in twenty twenty one without mentioning COVID. So we assume that that obviously brings a layer of difficulty in terms of covering election. But specifically, we wanted to ask: Is there a difference in how you handle almost? The government's handling of covid or you know whether people are raising valid public health concerns against government action how do you go about covering that or covering criticism of the government during covid when is an election period going on
3: obviously day-to-day in any election period the day-to-day news carries on almost on a parallel track and as you suggest lori at the moment it's it's more intense if you like uh, and more difficult uh, because we have this public health crisis that 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 is still going on. Um, Welsh government, because of perda rules and all of that, has has stepped back considerably from its announcements. We're only getting um, you know the press briefings on the uh, review days when they're legally obliged to review restrictions and that sort of thing. Um, what we try to do, though, in covering all of those is 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 to be just as challenging or scrutinizing as as we would in any in any other period, obviously our colleagues here in the newsroom—you know, the health team uh, and uh, the daily news journalists and all that sort of stuff—will also be working at and looking on that, uh, looking at that sort of thing as well. So they obviously um, continue to do their thing while while we're trying to do ours. But. Um, yeah, you are. You're just trying to cover a lot more stuff. I guess that's that's the problem, isn't it? In that you've got the COVID decision making going on, plus you've got this raft of information being being sent at you from all the political parties, virtually on a daily basis in terms of policy announcements and things.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that when we get to these longer interviews as well, that that they're going to just be a part of of the the the, the election package, isn't it? Because you know, this election is happening during a time of of the of a crisis and whoever's in government after may the 6th is going to have to deal with it so you know their their opinions as to whether the unlocking is going too quickly or too 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 slowly or what have you is valid questioning during this election campaign given that's basically going to be the top item on their agenda you know on may the 7th isn't it or may the 8th or whatever whenever they get into government so i don't think you i think our sort of daily news coverage at the moment is slightly decoupled from election and 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 pandemic stuff, but when we get into those longer form interviews, which quite frankly is where it's all about, I think personally, because there's only so much you can do in a two and a half minute television piece, compared to a half an hour interview or a twenty minute interview, and that's when you, I think, get a lot more bang for your buck, so to speak.
1: Do you think this election is going to be dominated by COVID, or will other issues uh, come into play? I know applied have sort of marketed their manifesto as the a five-year manifesto rather than just in response to Covid. Do you, do you think Covid is
2: going to take over regardless and dominate the coverage? I, I think it's a really, really good question, Caleb, and I just don't think we know, and I don't think the political parties really know, in the sense that we just have no idea what's most important to voters at the moment. You know, As you say, Plaid Cymru are trying to pitch this as a sort of 1945 election, i.e. You know the 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 worst is behind us. We are offering you a positive vision for the future, whereas Labour is very much trying to pitch it as a mid-war election, as in no no, don't change course now because we need to steady the ship and carry on. You know, there's still things. You know, there's still a pandemic to ride out, and then the other you know the other main parties have got different takes on that as well. Mainly opposition wanting to to view it as a change election, but it's it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because you know. Context is so important. It'd be, I'd imagine it'd be a very different election campaign had it been held in January, for example, or had it been held in June this year, because where we are with COVID, I'm sure is going to dictate how people potentially vote. And now we're heading perhaps to a, hopefully, we all hope, a better position with COVID by May the 6th. Well, what does that mean then? Do people think less of it as a pressing concern or thinking more about the future than perhaps the pandemic itself? Who knows? I mean, it's really difficult for the parties to get a handle on things at the moment as well because they haven't been able to door knock, to canvass. That starts from today, Monday the 12th. But they haven't been able to do that so far. So they all say, don't they, Fliss, that, you know, not being able to see the whites of people's eyes and, and gauge what the public mood is is really difficult, especially when there's so many variables this election. What's turnout going to be like? People are more devo aware we, we, we think, right, because of the last year. But does that translate? Or are people actually not that bothered about turning out because they've had their newly newly won freedoms to go out and enjoy themselves. You know, quite frankly, who knows? It's going to be a really interesting election because we just don't know.
3: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think COVID has put us more in the dark in this election, Caleb, than we usually are. As James rightly says, you know, any of the candidates or campaigners for the parties that you speak to will all say to you... You know, you'll say to them, what's going on in such and such a seat, you know, and, and they'll say, oh, don't know, can't speak to anybody. Um, the amount of weight that candidates and their, and their supporters put in that face to face conversation is huge, even though, you know, I was talking to somebody this morning who said, you know, even when you do go door knocking, you probably only manage to speak to one in five people. But even so, they really regard that as a, as a temperature test in terms of how their messages are getting across. What is it that people are most important? Uh, what is it that's most important to people in terms of issues and all of that? And and we tend to have that experience as well, James, don't we? Not in a scientific way by any means, but you know, in a normal election, we would be out and about talking to people. We'd be going with candidates to film them door knocking and we'd be getting a sense of what the interactions between politicians and the voters would be like in a way that we simply haven't been able to this time around. And There's a major problem in Wales anyway, more structurally, in that we just don't get the level of um, sort of sustained and consistent polling uh, that even gives us uh, an accurate picture in terms of issue trackers and what the what the biggest what the issues are that people say they're concerned about and how they feel that the parties deal with those issues. So it's a it's a question without an answer at the moment, to be frank.
1: That seems to be quite common these days. We, we spoke to Rob Osborne, and he was—he was—he uh, said the same thing. That it's—who it, knows at the minute? Who knows? One thing that I—I'm curious to know—is what responsibilities as hosts do you feel that you have, especially that, or especially considering that you're hosting a BBC political podcast?
2: Huge, I think. You know, especially since we've just touched on it. You know, there's such a democratic deficit here in Wales. I feel sort of uh, a little bit of. I don't want to be sort of too grandiose about this, but I think there is a responsibility on us to to do a lot of heavy lifting. That, quite frankly, a lot to, or you know, the fact that we have so few titles and a news industry in here in Wales means that there is a lot of gaps in in coverage that you know so many other outlets manage to fill in Scotland or or Westminster. And so, you know, there, I think there's a huge responsibility us to try and fill in as many gaps as possible. And you know it's it's i think there's a responsibility as well to to really challenge um, politicians on what they say and what they're promising and try and get beyond just the the sort of superficial and try and put some analysis into it and try and actually dig down into into parties promises rather than just regurgitating what is happening so hopefully this is where Walescast comes in and some of our more sort of detailed programming as well uh, does offer that but I think you know essentially trying to be at BBC Wales which we've got so many audiences to think about and we sort of get criticised sometimes for for one particular outlet doing something when actually if you consider the broad range and the broad sweep of what we do it's perhaps a little bit unfair to to criticise one outlet for doing it this one way because because you yourself don't consume news that way doesn't mean that no one else does as well. So you know we're trying to cover the highly engaged who want very, very analytical output as well as those who haven't got a clue what the CNF is and what this election is about. That's a very broad range and they're all important and um, trying to sort of balance that all the time can be... It is difficult, yeah, it is difficult, but there's, yeah, ultimately, I think, given the, going back to your original question, I just think there's a big responsibility to fill in a lot of the gaps that exist in, because of the nature of the Welsh media landscape.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, echo everything James has said there, and, you know, that's one of the reasons we wanted to get, podca- uh, to get Walescast up and running in time for this election, because, you know, we feel that responsibility to try to, 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 to give people a bit more meat. If you like, oh. in terms of the coverage of all of this, but the other thing is, we also want it to be fun. Like, we don't want to be all chin strokey and you know, toga wearing, you know, and oh, look at the gravitas of all of this sort of thing, you know. Because we're uh, not
2: like that.
3: No, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're really not. I and always uh... have to like
2: put on a put on a, like a you know a, a character when I'm sort of on television or whatever, you know.
3: Like, yeah, ex- and, exactly. Yeah. But hopefully, I mean...
2: you actually get the. A better feel for our personalities
3: on the yes uh, that you know we could we want we want to make this you know uh, we want this to add to the um intellectual debate on on the welsh political scene of course we do but in order to do that it doesn't mean that uh, we have to be dull and patronizing and the whole point of the podcast is to be accessible and to be a bit of fun while at the same time trying to bring a bit of um intelligent analysis to it so that's that's what we're going for it's up to
0: other people to decide whether we've succeeded Hey, that's the pitch that's, (laughs) that's the pitch yeah and sort of on that note you mentioned some of the challenges of trying to balance different topics and things um generally for the BBC how much of a challenge is it to cover an election impartially because we all know the rules about equal coverage and giving everybody a voice Um, And in theory, that sounds fine, but some of us have been doing work experience at the BBC this week and actually in practice, it is a lot harder and a lot more technical. Um, So how complex is that? Well, there
3: are always uh, challenges. You get, you know, that Ofcom, the regulator has rules. Uh, the BBC itself has rules, the election guidelines, which the BBC publishes so that people can look and see for themselves, you know, there's the set of rules and guidelines that we're all trying to follow as we cover this election, because impartiality is absolutely key. But inevitably, as as with life, uh, you know, you get thorny, knotty problems that are difficult to unpick or difficult to deal with and uh, it's in those judgments really that the people you know w- way above our pay grade earn their big bucks in 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 having to make some of these very very tricky decisions about you know how to how to go about doing that
2: i think one of the hardest things about it as well is is to continue to make it interesting and engaging because by giving a because you know we're impartial we give everyone um chance basically to contribute to to our pieces and what have you, but a dispassionate list of this party says this and this party says that and that party says this and this party says that, quite frankly quite boring. So, you know, trying to do it in an engaging way that, that keeps people interested but also being impartial, I think is the most challenging thing during... During uh, an election campaign, and um, well, yeah, yeah it's very challenging to be honest with you. Um, whether we succeed all the time, I'm not sure we'll let others decide on that, but yeah that's, how, that's what I would say is um, challenging.
1: And then just kind of just finally, you know the, the last Senate election, you know I mean I was 16, I was in England, so this is really the, the first time that I've sort of thrown myself into a Welsh election campaign. Uh, what advice do you really have for us
2: um, I've got what advice? consume a lot I mean that's that's just advice for for all times but particularly during an election try and be across everything um and trying to have fun with it um you know I mean I assume you're all interested in politics and quite frankly if you all want to be political journalists or involved in politics and you don't find elections fun and interesting then it's not for you guys but I'm sure that's not a problem for for you three and for you four so um yeah just have fun with it I mean this is this is our champion league final right is the, we're political political journalists and we love elections so have fun consume it all
3: I would say that sometimes um particularly for for, for people for, uh, for non-political journalists there can be a sense that somehow t- in order to be a political journalist that you have to join some sort of magical priesthood and it, it, it's really not true like the 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 principles that apply to political journalism are exactly the same journalistic principles that would apply to literally every other form of journalism. You know, as as James says, you know, be aware. So, you know, and know and understand what the stories are. Consume things so that you know what's going on. Be curious. If there's something you don't understand, don't blag it. Ask and find out and make sure you do understand it because if you don't understand it you can't explain it to somebody else that's for damn sure and um you know just apply all of the all of the journalistic principles you know that you will be familiar with and that you're you're practicing right now in in your political journalism and I think the other thing to remember on on, it's ultimately that it's always storytelling isn't it we are telling stories to people to help them understand the world that they live in in this in this instance the political world and the politicians are trying to tell stories to the voters too to 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 get them to vote for them so you know we are using our stories to try and have a look at their stories and 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 see see whether they work and whether they hang together as a narrative really i would say that's what that's what we're doing really.